Hello, everyone. This is Erica Henry, Network Pastor of the Holy District, and we are in week two of our Countdown to Advent. In this week's episode, we're going to share number two for our greatest hits so far of the Holy District podcast, and it happens to be the first episode of a series that we did uh, earlier. My sister Emily and I had a conversation about her fear of non-existence, and this was an episode that really seemed to resonate with a lot of people. And so we are sharing it again for any of you who'd like to listen. If you like what you hear in this episode, we encourage you to listen to the others. I think there are three or four additional episodes in the series. So without further ado, let's jump in. What should we think about death? One thing we can be sure of is that we will die. Everybody will. This is Erica Henry, and you're listening to the Holy District Podcast. Today, we are starting a new podcast series for the Holy District Network, and we're calling it Eternal Oblivion. This podcast series was inspired by my sister, Emily, who you will be hearing from in each episode, at least for these first two or three. Emily has been contending with a very real fear of non-existence that was onset by many things, but mostly the pandemic. And as we've talked just as sisters over the past year and a half, two years, we more and more became convinced that there's probably a lot of people who are feeling the way that Emily is feeling. And so she very graciously agreed to come on the podcast and share with me and with all of us about what this has been like and all of the various things that this fear of non-existence and the idea of eternal oblivion, or in other words, the idea that when we die, we cease to exist completely, how this has been impacting a lot of different aspects of Emily's life. As we go through this episode and others, you're going to get to hear a conversation between my sister and me. I will perhaps at times pause and offer some insight or some things that I was thinking during our conversation, and then we'll end with an opportunity to pause and reflect and maybe consider some scripture or some some way that we might be able to sit with this with this idea, with the fears that we have, with everything that's been coming up and cited by this extended period of compounding grief and trauma and loss. I'm not saying that this is going to be a super uplifting series, but I think it's going to get at the heart of what a lot of us are struggling with. And I hope that it will create some space inside us as individuals and in a, inside our community to really be real and contend with some of the deepest, darkest, and most difficult questions that humankind have been presented with and have wrestled with for as long as we can remember. So if that sounds interesting to you, let's get started. So Em, why don't you start and share with us about when this feeling first started for you, the events going on in your life, and yeah, take us take it from there. Um... I started feeling very weird when we went to, we, you, you weren't there. Okay. So I started to feel very different 
when we went to uh, my grandfather's funeral. Mm. I actually was alone. I had the girls with me, and Aaron was working. Um, and I was sitting at uh, Grandpa's funeral, and I was looking around the room and realizing that it was our turn to um, start really experiencing death. Mm. And that I used to be the little girl running around the room, seeing Maria and Daphne and Lennon and Aniston playing and they're coloring. And they're not, it might be weird to them, but they're not feeling the loss and the family shifts, the dynamics changing. Um, And I remember going home and thinking, um, this could, this could be the start of losing my family. Um, when I ended up talking with Aaron about it that night, something kind of like kicked in and over the course, this would have been of, um, this would have been in 2020, about two or three months later, Lennon got COVID and COVID didn't scare me, but the way that it changed life for I for everyone, but for me, it was so drastic that I felt like my identity had just been completely stripped away. So then we have, you know, COVID beginning in March for us. I lost my job. Um, I no longer had that sense of purpose I kind of well I did become a stay at home mom and teacher and bus driver you know all those hats that you wear as a parent overnight and that a lot of people may enjoy that and I was kind of excited at first but it's not something that I originally had planned for my life so you know we go from March and then in July we lose grandpa And I'm seeing people in and out of the hospital. I'm seeing some people kick it. I'm seeing some people not come back the same. And then Lennon got it. And thankfully, you know, a year later I can say she had a pretty easy COVID experience. But the first two days she was so lethargic that I just felt like I I didn't doctors at the time you couldn't go and see a doctor you call them and they say monitor it there's no medicine and you know I'm a I'm someone that has anxiety Um, most people that have anxiety have issues with control I couldn't control I couldn't do what as an American I know to do I take her to the doctor I put it give her a prescription she gets better Mm. so I can't get my kid to wake up and I just have to watch So I just wanted to take a moment to pause here and give all of us who are participating and listening a moment to just ground and connect. As Emily has been sharing, she has already talked about loss of loved ones. She's talked about the loss of her identity and her purpose, just the disequilibrium that this pandemic threw her into. She's also 
identified a mental health challenge that she experiences in her anxiety disorder and how that connects to her need for control. And in this moment as a mom, she is contemplating her helplessness and her inability to do anything as she's watching her child deal with an illness that none of us really understood what was going on with no options, with no medication, with no power, nothing to do that that she knew would fix it, but to just wait and watch. I'm wondering if you can relate. I'm wondering if you notice anything about your thoughts right now, your body, your posture, is your jaw clenched or are your shoulders hunched tight? Did you maybe just disconnect there if things got a little too close? I want to invite you to just spend a moment of self-acceptance. I want to invite you to take a few deep calming breaths with me in out in out and just recognize how difficult this time has been for all of us I want to say to you I'm so so glad that you're here and that you're hanging on and whatever you can do at this point in time, whatever you feel able to do at this point in time after carrying such a heavy burden is good and is okay and you are okay. Just give yourself a moment to be and to be aware of how you might be connecting right now to this this interview and when you're ready, we'll continue. So I can't get my kid to wake up and I just have to watch and like check her breathing and, you know, um, and no amount of crying or calling a doctor is going to make her feel better. And it's not going to, there's not going to be a result that I, that I'm used to. Um, and so, you know, from there, we, I, I experienced more loss. Um, you know, one of our friends' dads passed away, and he died of COVID. Um, and I, I also turned 30, 31 in this time period. And 10 years ago, I, well, yeah, 10 years ago now, I, like, ended my walk in Christianity And so it just kind of felt like, here I am 10 years later, I don't know why I'm just, I can't sleep at night, I'm scared that someone is going to get sick. I couldn't even, like, fully go places with people in cars sometimes, because if I would start to think about if we got in a car accident, or um, we hit somebody, because it's not just a just that selfish like I don't want to die it's I don't want anybody to die yeah so so what I'm hearing you describe is this series of losses that you were experiencing that were compounding 
and that were happening one after another after another yes in this really difficult couple years that the world has been going through but in your world you're experiencing loss of loved ones you're experiencing a loss of identity or purpose yes you're feeling the loss of control and you had 10 years earlier this may be fair to say experienced the loss of your faith yeah I mean I remember being 2021 and thinking I actually remember talking to you on the phone and saying that I had lost my identity Mm. because um I would say God or um, Christianity in general was my identity for about five years, which now being 31, five years is a you know a blip on the radar. But when you're 16, 17, 18, those are formative years. And I, I mean, I felt, I, I didn't feel like a person at, at 2021. So this is all coming back. Um, yes. Yes. And, and, and it's creating this, not just a fear of death, like you said, but this intensified awareness that death is a reality. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen to all of us. Right. And, you know, we had several convers- we've had several conversations over the last several months where you've shared a little bit with me about how this has felt for you. And something I remember from our conversations is this sense of it doesn't seem fair. Right. And I mean, you're my sister. That's been my problem my entire life, right? <laughs> That's like been my anthem. The fairness complex life kind of thing. Life is not fair. Yeah. And so, and, and now death I, is not fair. Right. Mm. And it's, you know, I'm 31 and I'm like, why am I battling over something that I've always known? You know, um, obviously it, there is some of this that's coming with age, but even like in my therapy, my therapist, I would say, I think she's either in her 50s or 60s. She's really become like a friend to me. And she has kind of checked me a few times and has been like, it's not your time in life to be thinking like this. Maybe in your 50s, maybe in your 60s, but a lot of people don't like grapple with this at this age. Um, yeah, I agree with her. And here you are, but it's grappling dr- with it. Yes, and it, I'm watching everybody else. You, you know, my family, people my age, and they're just fine. Mm. Even if I talk to them about it, they may be like, "Yeah, that's tough," but they're not going home and having a panic attack over it. Let's pause again, just for a quick interject- interjection. At this moment, when I was sitting with Emily, I didn't want to interrupt her flow of thought or what she was sharing. But it occurred to me, and it occurs to me now as I'm producing this podcast, that there's something that we tend to do, I tend to do, Emily's doing this podcast, maybe you also can do as well, that amplifies whatever pain or challenge that we are going through. And that is judging whether or not we should be experiencing or feeling what we are experiencing or feeling. You know, here Emily is dealing with this fear that feels so strange and rare that no one else seems to be dealing with. And not only is she dealing with this fear, she's also has this underlying track saying and others reinforcing at times, you really shouldn't even be worried about this yet. This is something that other people should be thinking about. Not you. You're not old enough. You're not in this stage or whatever it may be. 
I know I do that. I find myself whenever I'm struggling with something, I don't only see that I'm struggling, but I also can feel bad or shameful about the fact that I am struggling with the thing I'm struggling with. Can you relate? I guess the thing that I want to put on the table for all of us when we get into that cycle is just, you know, first a curiosity. How is that serving you? Does it help you to go down that path? Does it help you to stand in judgment of yourself that way? And if not, what would it look like to offer yourself once again some acceptance and some grace? Just recognize, you know, maybe I should or shouldn't be worrying about this or afraid of this or dealing with this right now, but I am. I am. I think if we can come to that place of honesty and self-acceptance, then we are very, very close to the healing and the opportunity to learn from whatever challenge and pain we're experiencing that we are taught about in our holy scriptures and in many other places. I also think that as long as we're stuck in judgment and the shoulds and should nots, it can actually keep us from facing the issue that is really most pressing. So take that for what it's worth. Let's jump back in. I can't even, um, it's getting better, but I can't even, if my kids say things about, um, you know, I want to live with you forever, that can send me into a spiral. And I'm hearing that theme come up as well. Mm -hmm. Looking at Lennon, looking at Aniston, looking at our nieces and nephews, and that recognition of, there's an innocence and there's a and a, a lack of awareness that a bliss yes that children get to experience for some time most children get to experience for some time right and grandpa's funeral for you that contrast was felt in a in a way that you hadn't felt it before we've been to funerals mm-hmm. many funerals in our life and yet for this time there was this real deep awareness of I I don't feel as lighthearted mm-hmm. <laughs> as I used to. This feels more pressing. This feels more heavy. Yeah, and, you know, other things that came with that that um, made it difficult was having conversations with mom and with grandma because there's shifts there, but, like, even in talking with grandma, she, I would say, three or four other um, husbands and her friend group have died within the last year. And I just, you know, I'm an empath and I always put myself in other people's shoes. I don't have to do that. I don't need to do that. Like it's, a, it's a character flaw at this point, <laughs> you know, it's caused me problems, you know, it's, yeah, it's given me a couple of issues, but listening to her, the, you know, her talk or mom talk. Um, and, and I just think, like, I know that Grandma feels it the way that she, when she speaks. And I know that she feels it, but doesn't want it to be there. You know, just that it's imminent. Um, so, you know, there's that worry. Like, there's that, again, that anxiety of, like, I want to control that she stays here. I want to control that Mom's okay. And, you know, even, like, with going back to our kids... 
there are things that they're having to try and comprehend um, that I didn't at their age with COVID. Um, they've witnessed more illness and death than I did. Right. And um, that's been hard as well because there's only so much that I can really dive into, explain to them without, well, you know, with their their um, limited understanding. Mm-hmm. But so it's it's been hard to wrestle with, like, well, they have a different reality than yeah. we did at five or six. So I'm going to shift us forward a little bit. Yeah. Uh, as you've been processing this and talking about it, you've said thinking about it, thinking about it, talking about it. Right. Let's talk about it. Right. What is... I think, you know, the the word or the phrase existential dread or fear of death or, you know, there's probably lots, there's probably some really interesting German word for it. I almost feel um, offended, not by you, but when I've talked about it with um, family and with Aaron and it's not anyone's fault, but I guess when it gets so like, it feels to do, like it feels like it's been reduced. Like reductionist. Down. Yes. It doesn't just feel like fear of death. Right. It's, I think what I've said to you before, it's the fear of non-existence mm. um, across the board. And again, that's for me, that's for you, that's for Dusty, that's Joe Schmo down the street. Um, especially especially when I even get to know a person or watch a documentary or, um, well, that's a good, like watching documentaries and and looking at people that we've, we've admired in the past. And again, them dying of dying in a way that I didn't think was deserved. And I'm watching it now. And I'm like, was that it? You know, like with Martin Luther King, he was he was a reverend. I'm guessing he believed that he was going somewhere mm-hmm. after this. Um, what if he didn't? Mm. And so with that fear of non-existing, when I get to that point of what if he didn't and he just died in vain? Like if, you know, it, it was just over, then, I mean what's it what's the point Mm -hmm. you know especially when you do kind of like lose your identity and you just kind of like go through the motions every day it's not that you don't see happiness it's not it's not that you don't enjoy things but I remember standing at a doctor's office and I'm just like like what am I even doing here Mm -hmm. like is this even real I know it's real but I mean so to speak like you're here and then you're gone. Mm-hmm. What was that in between time? Did it really matter? And as an empath, that's difficult too because, of course, I believe it matters. I love um, activi- activism and seeing the different things that we've been able to accomplish. But again, it's like you've got zero to 80, zero to 100, zero to 20. And is that it? Mm. I don't like that. Mm. And it's it feels so childlike to say it, but it's literally that. I don't like it. Yeah. And I'm very frustrated that 
um, before I could just think, well, we're here and then we're gone. Mm. Be it when I was a believer, be it when I wasn't a believer. Um, and then in between of trying to figure out who I am, I could just deal with it. And now I'm like, well, I went to my grandfather's funeral and I opened a can of worms on accident and my brain will not shut the door. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been told several times, just don't think about it. <laughs> Great. Okay. Great advice. Right. It's right. like, I would love to not think about it. I would love to be able to, you know, dream things with my kids and, and just, yeah, we'll be together forever. I, I'm not there. I can't. hadn't already opened your own can of worms when it comes to this idea of death and eternal oblivion if the pandemic didn't put it on your mind or recent loss didn't put it on your mind you're welcome (laughs) the holy district is uh uh happy to have broached this subject with you i'm kind of kidding but uh hey this is a question that like i said at the beginning all of humankind has been wrestling with from the very beginning and so it feels very pertinent for us to be talking about and making room for now and uh you know this isn't gonna wrap up like an american sitcom where the problem is introduced and within 30 minutes it's all solved and everyone leaves smiling until we come back next week I'm sorry if that's something that you're hoping for. It's it's really not possible, especially not with this kind of a topic. Uh, instead, I'm aiming for honesty and making space for whatever reflection and contemplation we need in order to just be honest and healthy in our grappling with this very deep and challenging subject matter. And so what I would like to do instead of you know, giving you some insight or something like that is to hold space for some reflection on some scripture that I think this really speaks to exactly what Emily has been sharing with us in this first part of her interview. There's a man, a person whose name, who calls himself Kohalet, the the teacher. And uh, this person is very wise. And this person kind of uh, takes us through a thought experiment in the book of Ecclesiastes where they review life and all of its various aspects to determine what's meaningful. And spoiler alert, they come away with this thought that everything is meaningless. Everything is vanity. And so Emily is not the only one to have opened this can of worms, and neither are you if, if you feel like that. There's actually an entire book of the Bible dedicated to pondering this very subject. If death awaits all of us at the end of our lives, what then does that mean about the contents that fill that between part? I'm going to spend the next few moments reading the first chapter of Ecclesiastes aloud to you. I'll read it in a couple different versions so we have time to hear it a few different ways. And then at the end, I'll just share a few 
logistics with you as we wrap up this episode one of our Eternal Oblivion series. So if you would like, if you have a Bible and you'd like to follow along, this would be a good time to pause and open up your Bible to Ecclesiastes chapter one. If not, then I would say just find a comfortable position for listening. Grab a journal and a pen or a pencil or your phone and your notes app, whatever might be meaningful to you. And give yourself permission to contemplate something that maybe you have been wanting to avoid. Knowing that you're doing it uh, with all of us across the Holy District Network as we want to be present and honest in this really difficult moment we're facing. Let's do it. The words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the teacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hurries to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Round and round goes the wind. And on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they continue to flow. All things are wearisome. More than one can express. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has already been in the ages before us. The people of long ago are not remembered, nor will there be any remembrance of people yet to come by those who come after them. I, the teacher, when king over Israel and Jerusalem, applied my mind to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to human beings to be busy with. I saw all the deeds that are done under the sun, and see, all is vanity and a chasing after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my mind has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a chasing after wind, for in much wisdom is much vexation. And those who increase knowledge, increase sorrow. Now in the message version. These are the words of the quester, David's son and king in Jerusalem. Smoke, nothing but smoke, that's what the quester says. There's nothing to anything, it's all smoke. What's there to show for a lifetime of work, a lifetime of working your fingers to the bone? One generation goes its way, the next one arrives, but nothing changes. It's business as usual for old planet Earth. The sun comes up and the sun goes down, then does it again and again the same old round. The wind blows south, the wind blows north, around and around and around it blows, blowing this way then that, 
the whirling, erratic wind. All the rivers flow into the sea, but the sea never fills up. The rivers keep flowing to the same old place and then start all over and do it again. Everything's boring, utterly boring. No one can find any meaning in it. Boring to the eye, boring to the ear. What was will be again. What happened will happen again. There's nothing new on this earth. Year after year, it's the same old thing. Does someone call out, hey, this is new? Don't get excited. It's the same old story. Nobody remembers what happened yesterday and the things that will happen tomorrow. Nobody will remember them either. Don't count on being remembered. Call me the quester. I've been king over Israel and Jerusalem. I looked most carefully into everything, searched out all that is done on this earth, and let me tell you, there's not much to write home about. God hasn't made it easy for us. I've seen it all, and it's nothing but smoke. Smoke and spitting into the wind. Life's a corkscrew that can't be straightened, a minus that won't add up. I said to myself, I know more and I'm wiser than anyone before me in Jerusalem. I've stockpiled wisdom and knowledge. What I've finally concluded is that so-called wisdom and knowledge are mindless and witless, nothing but spitting into the wind. Much learning earns you much trouble. The more you know, the more you hurt. And so now you've had the opportunity to hear from someone who is dealing with this deep fear of non-existence and my sister. And you've also had the opportunity to hear from someone who was dealing with some of the same things millennia ago and Kohelet, the teacher. Now this is just chapter one and Kohelet goes on to share a lot more. So I hope that piqued your curiosity. And I'm also hopeful that you have some thoughts and some questions and some things that you want to take with you into your week and chew on and pray on and reflect on. Most importantly, I want to encourage you, especially all of those listening who are Jesus followers, I want to encourage you that Jesus knows where you're at. We serve someone who also feared death and had to overcome that. And we're not going to jump into any theology, uh, any overt theology today as we wrap up our podcast. But I just would love to invite you as you're contemplating this question, this content, this passage in Ecclesiastes in relationship to your faith and your relationship with Jesus. I would encourage you to share your thoughts and your questions with us in the Holy District along the way. At the end of the series, we're going to have one or two or maybe three, depending on how many questions we get in, uh, question and response episodes. We would love your feedback. We'd love to hear what you're thinking and what this series uh, inspires for you and brings up for you. And we'd love to be able to engage and interact with that. So if you have some uh, question or a thought that you would like to be considered on this podcast, you can find us on social media at Rediscover Sacred on Facebook and Instagram and message us or comment there. You can also email me directly 
at erica at holydistrict.org. And that's E-R-I-C-K-A at H-O-L-Y-D-I-S-T-R-I-C-T dot org. I would love to hear your questions and your feedback and take them into consideration as we're moving throughout the rest of the series. So in the meantime, I, uh, I pray a blessing over you as you wade through this very deep and difficult subject matter. Know that you're not alone. You are doing this in the community and with the love and the support of your Savior and friend, Jesus, who understands this uh, better than we know. Love you all, and we'll talk to you next time. States who are finding creative ways to live integrated, Jesus-centered lives in their communities, with their communities, and for their communities. We're dedicated to rediscovering the sacred in the everyday spaces where we already live, work, and play, and we're so glad you're on this journey with us. Talk to you next time.